Hello everybody, welcome back to Acting Without the Drama, where we keep the drama on the stage and in front of the camera and out of our personal lives. Well, I missed last week, and you can probably actually still hear in my voice that I'm a little bit sick, and that is the reason why. I was not feeling well, and actually still am not, but actually thought that we might do something a little bit different today. We've been doing some vocal exercises, and there are still more to come. But I wanted to take a second to switch gears for a little while so that we can talk about the standard American dialect. One of the things that we want to do, we have been developing our voice, and now we get to the point where we've got this nicely developed voice, but if we don't speak properly, if we don't sound good, if the, we don't shape our sounds properly, it ends up coming out and sounding pretty crappy. So we want to marry these two things together. So these things do definitely tie in, even though they are different aspects of the craft. And you'll notice, actually, if you go and take classes at a university or in an acting program somewhere, many times voice and diction are put together. And there's a reason for that. They are intimately tied. So I just thought, you know, perfect timing. My voice is pooped out and... I'm feeling gross. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to start talking about something a little different. So we are going to work together on some sounds for the standard American dialect. And I do want to specify that this is a dialect. This is something specific. Uh, I would say that really there are few people in the United States, if there are any, who actually speak standard American English. And that really this is designed to help us as actors find sort of a neutral base. Anybody that has grown up in the United States, unless they've moved everywhere all around the United States and have sort of neutralized their accent on their own, pretty much anybody's going to have a very specific dialect. And even if you do move around, you're going to end up with sort of this conglomerate. It's not actually going to be a base level. It's going to be a weird mixture Kind of like that thing that happens with Madonna, you know, she spent time in the UK and all of a sudden she started sounding not British, but not American, it's sort of weird that way. And so what we're trying to accomplish here is we're trying to find a base level dialect that we can build on if we decide to do more dialect training. And what we're going to use is the International Phonetic Alphabet. This is the best tool for anyone that wants to study dialects. There is no substitute. I've tried other systems. I've tried other ways of doing it. And I got to tell you, IPA is the way to go. It is the most specific. It's the way to really make sure that you are getting down to the nitty gritty about where your tongue is placed and what you're doing at every moment. A lot of people, when they come to me as students, one of the first things they find out that I'm trained in dialects and that's the first thing that they want to start doing. They want to start playing with dialects. And I totally get it. It's fun. And I don't mean to discourage anyone from studying dialects, but one thing that you do want to go into it knowing is that it is very, very specific. It's very detailed. It takes really understanding the way that we make sound with our mouths and really learning to fine-tune that process. It helps if you have a good ear. Anyone that has studied music extensively is going to have a pretty well-tuned ear. Uh, if you haven't, that doesn't mean that you can't. It just means that you're going to have to work a little bit harder. And you just need to really pay attention. I would suggest for anyone that's really serious about this 
that you get a tape recorder and you start to record yourself and listen to it. It helps to create a really positive feedback loop where you hear the sound that you're making. Oh, that, eh, that's not quite right. Let me try it again. You do it again. And you really go through this process and just fine tune your ear. So as I said before, we're going to do something slightly different today. We are going to be studying something together. So what I'm going to need you to do is I'm going to need you to go to a website. And I actually have posted a link on my website, www.actingwithoutthedrama.com. So you can just go there and click on that link. Or if you are listening to this through iTunes, or if for some reason uh, you go to my website and it's sort of been buried uh, from my other posts, then let me go ahead and read off the website to you so that you can go there and see exactly what I'm talking about. The website is http semicolon the website is http colon forward slash forward slash web dot uvic dot ca forward slash ling forward slash resources forward slash ipa forward slash charts forward slash capital IPA lowercase lab forward slash capital IPA lowercase lab dot htm. So go to that website and it will bring up the IPA chart, the International Phonetic Chart. And you're going to see it. And if you haven't ever seen it before, you're going to freak out because there are so many symbols there and they all look crazy. But I want you to calm down, take a few breaths. Don't worry. We are only going to be focusing on a few of these symbols today, just a very few. And when we're talking about standard American speech, there's really not that many symbols that we have to go over. There definitely are symbols that we have to learn, things that we have to train ourselves in. It's kind of like learning a new language a little bit, although it's much easier because we already basically know the sounds. So you're going to need to just learn a few out of those many, many, many symbols that are there on that chart. Understand that this chart is international, which means that it is for pretty much every language that exists on the planet. And linguists are constantly updating this and constantly sort of refining it. I remember the IPA chart that I learned from looked very different from the one that, it, uh, that is currently the model. And it's actually helped, this, this current model has helped me to be able to refine my sounds even further. So all really good stuff. Uh, if you find that you like this, because I do, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to this. I love this stuff. And if you find that you like it, I w really would suggest that you sort of keep up with this. Uh, we want to thank the people that have posted this particular chart. This is a really awesome chart because in addition to the fact that it's got all of the symbols there, if you click on the symbols, you can actually hear the sounds. And remember that these were put together by linguists. They were not put together by actors. So the sounds may sound slightly different when I do them, not in placement, but rather in resonance. And that's kind of what we're going for as we are learning standard American speech, is to make sure that we have really resonant speech. That's what we're going for. So what we're going to work on today are the front vowels. So looking at the chart, 
down in the middle of the page over to the right hand side there is hey look at that a vowel chart and that vowel chart has all of the vowels basically that the human mouth can make at least that we know of at this point and so if you'll notice that chart it's kind of the front of it is kind of a diagonal uh, sloping back towards the back of the the right side of the page and I want you to imagine that this chart is kind of your mouth I know that that sounds a little weird right at first that's okay just go with me the teeth basically are sort of right up at the top near the point you know if you go to the the sound that is farthest to the top and farthest to the left side of the chart that's kind of where your teeth are and imagine that the rest is your mouth opening out and down now that image isn't exact but it kind of helps us to understand where these different vowel sounds are going to be placed because basically when you are looking at the horizontal you are looking at whether the sound is in the front of your mouth or in the back of your mouth when you were looking at the vertical you are looking at whether or not the sound is closed or your mouth is closed or uh, your jaw is higher when you're up higher in the chart or lower when you're lower in the chart which is a more open sound so it goes from closed to open as you move down the chart and so that's really the placement within your mouth for each of these vowel sounds so you can start to begin to approximate where exactly these vowel sounds are going to be in your mouth as you look at the chart and so right now we're only going to be focused on the vowel sounds that are on the front part of that chart now looking at the chart together that first sound the one that is close and front so this is the one that is the farthest up and the farthest to the left it's the little lowercase i that is the symbol and the sound for this is E. Now most of us when we make that sound we do something a little strange and I don't know that it's strange, we, most of us do it, so maybe it's me that's strange but as we make that sound we have a tendency to sort of stretch our lips out to the side and when we do that it creates a very flat and kind of unappealing sound. You get this kind of E sound, E, E and what we want to do is we want to just tuck the corners of our mouth in a little bit and almost make like a megaphone out of our mouth and create a sound that's much more resonant. E, E. And again, listen to the difference. Here's the stretched out sound. E, E. And here is the one with the lips a little pursed. E, E. Now you don't need to exaggerate this to the point where you look like an idiot that's not the point the point is just to keep your lips from going out laterally when they go out to the side we get a flat sound it kind of does this weird thing to the sound wave and it just doesn't have the resonance that you really want in that particular sound so this E sound is the sound that we get in beat it's the sound that we get in steel it's the sound that we get in leak now as we start dealing with putting these sounds into context into the actual words we have to start dealing with the fact that certain consonants want to do weird things to the vowel sounds uh, the most notorious ones are the R sound and the L sound those two will really trip us up so as we go through this we want to be careful 
that we are not altering the sound of the pure vowel with these consonants. Now each of the vowel sounds that we're dealing with right now are what are called pure vowels, meaning by that that it doesn't change in your mouth at all. It doesn't move. When we start putting those sounds together, we end up with what are called diphthongs. And when we have a diphthong, even though you may think it's only one sound, it's actually two uh, the American English, standard American English, doesn't have any triphthongs, but certain other dialects do. So you can actually have, you know, multiple vowel sounds together. We will deal with the diphthongs later, but for now, we're just going to work on the pure vowels. So you want to make sure that your mouth is not moving at all when you're making these sounds. Don't glide, don't stretch it, just keep it really nice and simple. E, E. E, and then go through, beat, steal, eel, leak, and just practice a little bit with some of those sounds. The next sound is, if you look at your chart, going down the chart and a little over to the right. We're not quite in line here, which means that this sound goes a little more towards the back. And let me just take a second and explain what is the difference between the sounds that are in the front and the sounds that are in the back. There's the obvious that the placement is more forward, and that's definitely true. But the reason that it's more forward is because the back of our tongue is lifted. If, again, you'll make that sound E, E, you'll notice that the back of your tongue is lifted up towards the top of your mouth. That means that it's a front vowel. And for all of these front vowels, that the back of the tongue is going to be lifted to a certain extent to make sure that that sound does go forward. So the next sound, as I said, is not quite as far forward, and it's a little bit less closed than the E sound that we just did, which is I. Now this is a tricky sound. It's tricky to make, especially if you are not uh, native to the United States or native to a place that speaks English as its main language. This is a sound that doesn't exist in most, most other languages. It's kind of unique to English almost. And so, if you speak a Romance language, this is one that's just going to give you nightmares. It is possible, however. You can learn it. It just takes some time. So, this sound, the pursing that we did with our lips, you're going to back off of that just slightly, just a little bit. Eh. Eh. I want you to think of all of these sounds as being vertical sounds, that they're kind of coming up and out. Uh, again, you don't want them to go lateral. You don't want them to stretch sideways. So again, very vertical. Eh. Now, this sound is one <laughs> that fools us a lot. When we start talking about pure vowels, we have to start talking about something else, which is stressed or unstressed. Whenever you have a vowel, that pretty much means that you're going to have a syllable that goes along with it. If you think back to your English class and you had to break down those words into syllables, each of those syllables typically has a vowel. And each of those vowels is either going to be stressed or unstressed. So when you say a word like unto, that second part of the word is more stressed than the first part. When you say unless, again, the second part. If I say rowdy, the first part is stressed, the second part is unstressed. So hopefully that makes sense to you. When you start getting multiple syllables in a row, uh, you have some interesting things that happen. You'll have a primary stress and a secondary stress and something like that. But for right now, just think of it in terms of stressed and unstressed. So each of these vowels, with, the, with two exceptions, 
which I will give you in a minute. Each of these vowels that we're going to be dealing with are stressed, meaning that you only make them when the vowel is in a stressed position. So the E sound is definitely stressed. The I sound is unique in that it is the only one of the vowels that can be either stressed or unstressed. When you say bit, as an example, that's stressed. You can hear it's very nice and strong. When I say example, which I actually just said a minute ago, example, the first sound that I make, even though the letter that we use is an E, the sound is an I. That's the sound, I. Example, but it's not stressed, it's unstressed. And because of the kind of unique qualities of the sound, it's one that really tricks our ear a lot. And so I'm going to give you some examples of where we use it. And again, if I didn't mention it before, I know I told you where on the chart it was, but it is the capital I. That is the symbol for this. The capital I is the symbol for I. I. Example, bit, tip. Now, here's what's really going to mess with you a little bit. When we say the word beer or ear, those words, the vowel sound in the middle, even though to our ear it sounds like it's an E, it is not. It is an I. And I want you to listen very closely. When I say E, ear, ear, you can tell that that's not right. When I say I, ear, ear, that is the sound that we're actually making. Beer. So that is an, that's actually an I. And again, when we make it more specific, we don't end up kind of getting that nasty, weird sound that we get sometimes with the beer. Yeah, get me a beer. It sounds pretty gross. So we want to keep it I, beer. Much more specific in the, in the way that it sounds. One more, and this is going to be even more difficult for you to accept, is at the ends of our words, when we have a Y, almost always that sound is not an E, it is an I. When we say slowly, it's not actually an E, it's an I. Because again, it's unstressed. If I say slowly, and I, I know that there are people that say that, if I say slowly, that is an E sound. But if I say it the way that I would normally say it in the context of a sentence, I'm going to move a little bit more slowly now. That was an I. I'm going to move slowly now. I. Slowly. Now, if I were to emphasize it, it would sound really strange. It would sound a little British. Slowly. But when you back off of it and just make it unstressed, slowly. That's the I sound. Okay. So, next sound. Actually, the next sound down, if you go down the chart and again back over to the left, it is just the sort of lowercase e. And this is one that we don't use on its own in standard American English. We do use it, but it's in connection with another vowel for a diphthong. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it right now. Just know that the sound is e, e. This is the sound that you actually have in Spanish and actually a lot of other Romance languages. But if you speak Spanish... When you say the word for finger, dedo, e, that is the sound. The next sound down, the sort of backwards three, that is e, e. And you'll notice that as we get a little bit further down here, 
We don't have to shape it nearly as much in order to make it sound nice. Our mouths are getting more open. And it's also moving back. That's why you have that sort of slant to the chart, that it is moving back in the mouth a little bit. So, eh, and this is the sound that we get in get, and elbow, and better, and bed. So, eh, bet, get, ready, elbow. The next sound down is that sort of AE symbol. It looks a little bit like a clover leaf. That is ah. Now this sound is one that we typically don't make correctly, so I want you to spend some time working on this one. Ah. The first thing that you need to do is open your mouth so much further than you think you need to. Stick three fingers in your mouth at the same time. Really stick those three fingers in there. That is how much you should be opening your mouth when you say this letter, when you say this sound. Ah. And this is the sound that we get in cat and bat and hand. Now, hand is one that we typically don't pronounce correctly. We go to say it and we sort of say hand, hand. Ah, hand. Now, you don't want to make it overly precise. You don't want to make it hand. That's more British. Hand, hand. Open that mouth. Get that mouth open. Really make sure that it is nice and resonant. Again, you want to keep it to the front of the mouth by keeping the back of that tongue lifted. But, ah, bat. Normally, we say it pretty close to correctly when we're saying bat and cat. So if you have to go back to those words to reestablish that placement and then go and say hand and land and apple, take some time and really practice with that sound because it's an important one. The final sound in our front vowels, again, this is another one that we don't use on its own. This is one that we use in connection with another vowel sound for another diphthong, actually two diphthongs. But it is one that becomes really important if you decide to do some accent training uh, because it's a sound that we use in Irish and Italian and some other languages as well. So this sound is in between the ah sound that we just made and another sound that we'll learn later. And this is ah, ah, so that it would sound, you know, if you've got an Irish dialect, it's bad. And that is the sound that we're looking for there. And again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because it is used in a diphthong. So we'll spend time on it when we actually get to the diphthongs. So I hope that you have enjoyed working on dialects today. Please give me your feedback on whether or not these exercises are helping you. I want to, get a, uh, want to give a shout out to a couple of listeners really quickly, to Todd H. and Holly Q. Thank you so much for listening, and I really appreciate your emails. It really meant a lot to me. And guys, send me those emails. I love to hear your responses to what, uh, what we're doing here. Send me the emails. Leave comments on my website. You know the website. I'll say it again, www.actingwithoutthedrama.com. And go out there and act. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Acting Without the Drama. For more information and to follow my blog on acting, please go to www.actingwithoutthedrama.com. To contact me with questions or ideas, please email me at actingwithoutthedrama at gmail.com.